Episode 103 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. This podcast was created because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. Lacey Cruz represents the 4th District on the Sedgwick County Commission. She was elected in the fall, sworn into county commission job in January. She's from Parsons, Kansas, a singer-songwriter, and now she's using her voice to bring her leadership skills to Sedgwick County. My discussion with Sedgwick County Commissioner Lacey Cruz in a moment. First, a look at what's in your weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. The big story, more details on Fidelity Bank's decision to make a big investment in downtown Wichita, a $51 million project that includes a 10-story office tower. We talked to Fidelity leaders about their decision and to other leaders about the impact the project will have on downtown Wichita. That's on page 14. Also this week, a special report on cybersecurity and technology. There's been some merger and acquisition activity in the Wichita tech industry. We take a look at the deals on page 12. This week, we spend 10 minutes with Galen McGregor. She's the Director of Trust and Wealth Management at Equity Bank. She talks about her transition from Commerce Bank to Equity, page 19. This week's list, commercial lenders, ranked by 2018 dollar amount in the commercial loan portfolio. Interest Bank is way out in front. That's on page six. In our business leads, it's a valuable tool They include who's setting up a new corporation, new real estate deals, building permits, who owes back taxes, court judgments. We collect it so you can use it to grow your business. It starts this week on page 16. Back to talk to County Commissioner Lacey Cruz in a moment. Welcome to Biz Talk with Bill Roy of the Wichita Business Journal. Talking business, your business that is, is what Equity Bank's team of bankers does best. Visit us today at equitybank.com. Well, Lacey Cruz has held her current job as a county commissioner now for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. It's nice to meet you. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks Thank for, you for being having. here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to ask you what possessed you to run for elected office in a minute. But first, tell us about where you grew up. I grew up in a little town in southeast Kansas, uh, Parsons, Kansas, I moved here um, in 2006 to finish my bachelor's degree because I wanted to do something more with my life than work in a laboratory. Um, so growing up in a small town was really great. I, I don't get back there very often, but I feel like um, growing up in a small town really gave me some values that I carry with me in everything that I do. So why Wichita? Why did you decide to come to Wichita? And you went to Wichita State, uh-huh. right? Well, it was either commute to Pitt State or move to Wichita State, and I really loved the campus here. I just fell in love with the Elliott School, all of the um, professors there. I just, I don't know, it was something about the campus, it was something about the community. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I just I just kind of fell in love with, with Wichita State, and so that made me um, move here. You had one child at that time? Uh-huh. When you moved here? Yeah, Bailey was four. Okay. And she's 17 now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Time flies, doesn't it? Yep, it sure does. Amazing. You also have a business background. You worked in in business for a while. Talk about that. So I started out in um, hearing aids, senior living. I've always had a thing for seniors, I guess. I broke my hip when I was 10 years old. Oh, my gosh. And everybody asked me all the time, isn't that just something that happens to old people? And I said, well, who are these old people? So I started volunteering at nursing homes and I adopted a grandparent and I just had a real sense of 
um, purpose when I when I was with um, an older generation of people. I, f- I found um, great wisdom that I was learning on a daily basis just from stories and asking questions. And so right out of college, I got a job at Ear Care Hearing Aid Centers, and then I started working um, with Tim Buchanan at Legend Senior Living, mm-hmm. and then I had an opportunity to brand a company out of Baltimore, but I worked out of my home. So I branded 72 long-term care properties in 17 states. So I got to travel around all over the country launching this brand, and that was a real eye-opener. How'd you get into music? Music is important to you. I have been a musician my whole life. My mom's a musician. My dad's a musician. Um, I just have always been attracted to stringed instruments. And so at a very young age, at at about 10, I started um, studying the cello. And it was a it was a piece of crap cello, but it was still a cello. <laughs> right. And so um, I studied that, and then about seventh grade, I. Um, was introduced to Jim Kendall, who is um, an awesome choir teacher and just an awesome person. And he put me in the alto section and I just learned to harmonize and really found my voice as a singer. I'd always been a singer, um, but now I was really starting studying, reading music um, and understanding how choirs work. So I really enjoyed all of the choirs that I was in under his direction. So how far did you take it, your training on on the cello? Um, I I studied for about four years, and then once I got into um, voice, I started studying voice with Dana Saliba in Parsons, Kansas, Rest Her Soul. Um, So I learned how to sing in in French and German, um, Italian, and that was was a really um, fun and good experience. You still uh, you still get into music these days? Do you still perform? Oh yeah, I have a show coming up actually um, at Vorchez on May twenty third. So I play with Dan Niemeyer, who is he plays the guitar, I play the guitar, and we just right. have a duet kind of duo that we we just like to have fun. Original material or yeah, original and covers. Yeah, right. Yep. It's a lot so of fun. is that something you do on a regular basis or? You know, I find it's a way to kind of debrief. Um, kind of take, you know, people work out, people do all of these things. Right. Well, songwriting and playing music is kind of a way for me to chill and kind of a way for me to step outside of this political world that right. I find myself in now because it's very stressful and taxing on my mind. Right. So it's a way to kind of step outside of that. Your bio says that you also produced a record. I did. Talk about that. I did. Um, in 2014, I... I just had all these songs and I wanted to put them, you know, and I'm out of CDs now, but you can find me (laughs) online. Um, So I put a band together and we went to uh, Brick, the Brick House Studios with Craig Beebe and recorded an album. It took me about a year. We recorded all the music in, in, in an eight hour session. And then over the course of the year, I put in all the vocals, all the harmonies and everything. So it, and then, um, I went on, I, I, put together a little, I call it a teeny weeny micro tour uh, to Colorado. (laughs) And I had um, about 10 shows in the course of those two weeks. Um, But it was a real eye eye opener because it was so taxing on my body to lug all my equipment in and out and do everything on my own that it kind of burnt me out. You didn't have roadies, huh? Well, Dan went with me. And so I guess he was my roadie. Um, (laughs) But, you know, after my tour, I really kind of took a year off from music and playing because I was kind of burnt out. Right. Yeah. 
And, you know, I went through some things in my personal life. I got divorced and, you know, raising kids on my own. And, you know, when, when the women's March came around, it was like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. Uh-huh. I just kind of fell into the first women's March. They asked me because I'm a musician, do you want to come seeing Helen Reddy? I am woman and Aretha Franklin respect. You wow. know? And I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know? <laughs> and so I found myself being a musician and, but we had, we had this huge, incredible crowd. You know, I think it was like three to 4,000 people there. And God bless the organizers, but they forgot one real important thing was an MC or a leader of the crowd, right? Right. And so I just kind of fulfilled that role because that's kind of what I'd done. Um, And so I got up on this ladder and I started playing my guitar and I just started chanting. and, and, um, And then when it was time to march, it was like, you know, we parted the Red Seas and I led the crowd to um, the, the, uh, city hall. Right. And then after the March in 2017, everything just kind of fell apart. You know, it was like everybody just went, there was so much energy. Right. Right. And then everybody just went back to their lives. Right. Well, when the 2018 March came around, the organizers, you know, I was part of the initial organization and, um, they asked me to be the MC. And so as I was researching all of these women that I was going to introduce, and I was up there with my daughter introducing these women now, and I'm holding my sign, hear our vote, it was it was like I just had this epiphany that I am more than just an MC, and how can I use my voice to affect change? But I didn't really know what to do. And so a couple of weeks, uh, well, actually, that next week, I, I invited all the organizers over to my house. I fixed a big old pot of um, taco soup. <laughs> I bought some box wine, some cheap wine, and we all just sat around and we were trying to figure out what we could do. How could we not let this energy fizzle? And so, after about four glasses of wine, I was like, I'm gonna run for governor. <laughs> And so they're like, Lacey, okay, chill out, chill out. Um, maybe not, maybe baby steps. Uh-huh. And so someone had mentioned the county commission. And to be honest with every single person, I had no clue what the county commissioners even did, mm-hmm. who they were. So I went, did what anybody else did. I went to the website. I looked up who my county commissioner was. I, I then went to the history of the county commission. And since 1953, there's been a total of five women to 32 men. Right. And so, you know, in this year of the woman, I thought to myself, even if I don't really know what's going on with this, that's the position that I want because that's where I need to be. And so I was so scared the whole month of April. <laughs> okay. I mean, I... I don't know if it was because that's my birthday month and I kind of get weird about turning a year older, but, um, (laughs) is this before you filed or before I filed? And then the month of April and in last year, I was just like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Because fear had crept in. I didn't, I mean, as a single mother raising two daughters on my own, how do I juggle a full-time job plus running for an office Mm -hmm. and now handling a campaign. I'd never done any of this. Mm-hmm. And so I just really dug deep inside myself and I just I just leaned into my faith, into my faith in God, into my faith in myself that I could do it. And when I passed the primary in August, it was like, okay, this is real. This is real. Mm-hmm. And so I I ended up quitting my job. I ended up resigning from my position because What were you doing at that time? I was um, working for Kindred Hospice. Okay. And that kind of had that kind of played into me running because working in hospice is so taxing. It was so taxing on my soul because 
dealing with death on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It is such a necessary service. And the people who work in that industry, I I feel for, and I really do commend because it's, it's a lot. And so I thought to, you know, I could have probably stayed working for Kindred, but I wasn't doing my full duties. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, you know what, I am not being a good employee. I have to let go of this and I have to go full 100% into this campaign and into this role if I'm going to actually, you know, put all of my energy in. So I resigned from my position. I didn't collect a paycheck for four months. (laughs) I was, I put everything on the line everything on the line. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the, I'm the sole breadwinner of my home. I have, I mean, honestly, it was quite crazy. I, <laughs> I probably am a little nuts for yeah. doing it. Uh-huh. Um, but it paid off and I knocked as many doors as I could. I met as many people as I could. I learned as much as I could. And I just soaked it all in because it was easy to do. It was easy to work 16, 17 hours a day with no sleep. And I mean, I lost 16 pounds. Wow. So if anybody wants to lose some weight, <laughs> yeah, run for, run for office, yeah. <laughs> you know, any office really. Right. Um, you know, it's just lack of representation, I think, was what really drove, was a part that drove me. Um, to have a voice, a female voice that hadn't been there for eight years, I think was really important. What was the campaign like? And uh, we know that the candidate is out there working very hard, as you talk about, 16, 17 hours a day. Uh, who are the one or two people who you counted on to keep you going through that? So I had a, a very small, small staff. <laughs> um, Denise Romero, I could not have done it without her. She knocked probably, if not the same amount of doors, more doors than I did. Um, she kept me going. Jason Opat helped me through all of my media. Um, there were a, just Jordan Walker helped me. I mean, it was just amazing. All of the people that sort of stepped up that I didn't know before. Cheryl Wolford um, mm-hmm. was an amazing. Um, she kind of came in at the very like the. It was almost like God knew I needed that that last two weeks of someone to come in because. Two weeks to the election, I, I was spent. I was like, I don't care. I've given everything that I can, right. and I just couldn't do it anymore. And then those few people that stepped in just helped me get to the finish line. And on election day, pff, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I did not even watch it because I it was out of my hands. Right. I'd done everything that I could do. Um, so I just think that people were ready for a change. So you're in office now. You've been in office for several months. Is it what you expected? I didn't know what to expect. Right. Um, But I am learning more than I ever imagined I would learn. Most of it's very complicated Mm -hmm. and complex. Um, But I am just, I'm learning how to take all this information in, figure out how my strengths and my abilities can affect change with the information that I'm given. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say yes to everything and right. I've realized that I can't do that. <laughs> you learned that lesson. Oh huh? my gosh. Uh, very fast. <laughs> I can't do that because my main focus and, and, and what I talked about on the campaign trail is mental health and addiction. My grandfather um, died by suicide in the cemetery where he's buried in Ark City. My uncle, at the age of 17, died by suicide. Um, he shot himself in the stomach in my parents' home. You know, 
the, the things that are in my past that maybe sometimes I have a little self-pity about mm-hmm. because I've been through so much. My dad was addicted to alcohol. You know, there's just so many things that I have in my past um, that now I'm using to fuel my focus. And it's those things that really give me a, a solid sense and understanding of what our community is going through because I've been through it too. Mm-hmm. I asked you to be on the podcast before I knew that you had a special message at the end of the uh, commission meeting this week. You talked about having a crisis in this community. Talk about your message and why you wanted to make that point. I think that people are struggling and people are struggling quietly because they're afraid to discuss what's really going on in their lives. And you've seen that in the past, in your past. Yes. And you know, what happened um, this past weekend really hits me hard just because I know Jenny Wood. Right. I, I mean, she played at my Women Inspire Change event that I had during my campaign. I have looked up to her for a very, very long time. She is a, she's an inspiration of mine. Mm-hmm. And what happened to her and what happened to her family um, is senseless. And we can do more for the people in this community that need our help. I feel for the people who ran into her. I really do because I think that we have to look at everybody as a whole and what are they struggling with? You know, why are they doing the things that they're doing? Why did they steal that car? Were they running from drugs? Were they on drugs? What were they doing? And we can point fingers, as I mentioned. We we can blame high-speed chases. We can blame the police. We can blame whoever. But at the end of the day, there are problems in this community that can be resolved. Our crisis center, our calm care crisis center is working. But because we don't have the capacity to handle how many people there are, it's an eight-week wait. Mm-hmm. So if somebody who wants to get well, somebody who wants to get off meth, alcohol, whatever the case may be, and they don't have the resources to pay for it themselves, they have to wait eight weeks. What happens in that eight weeks? Right. They continue to use. They continue to abuse. They don't get the help that they need. And that, to me, is, is a shame. And you brought it up. At the, it was good timing because you're going into the budget season now. Mm-hmm. And uh, a community values what it spends its money on. Mm -hmm. That was a point you also wanted to make to the other commissioners and to anybody who was listening. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we have all these... We have all these talks, we have all these meetings, we have all this communication that's going on, but what goals have we set? Mm -hmm. What are our priorities? How are we making um, tangible goals, right? We have to set these goals and meet them. Um, I'm so sick and tired of hearing people talk. Mm -hmm. I want to see action, and that's that's why I brought it up, and I'm willing to step up to the plate and create ideas. We have to think outside the box, because what we've been doing, we've been maintaining we can't maintain anymore. Right. We have to make strides and we have to make real progress if we want to see people get well. Are you optimistic? I am. I have to be. You know, I I, I want to see the good in everybody and I want to see that people can change. You know, I was really rocked by a 36-year-old woman who, who died by suicide in our parking garage. She's my age. Mm-hmm. She had two tours in Afghanistan. She was addicted to meth and she couldn't cope. And it just makes you wonder if someone would have said something to her that would get her out of that moment, right? Get her out of that frame of mind. 
maybe she would still be here today. And that's what I made the point. You know, when you walk into QT and you see the homeless people that ask you for money, they want a smile. They want to be acknowledged. You don't have to give them money. Say hello to them. Be kind to people because you just, you just never know what you being, you opening some, the door for someone or saying hi to someone who, who is so ignored by everyone else. You just never know how you can change the course of someone's day. It's a strong message and uh, something we hope we can work toward as we move through. And you've got uh, some more years on the commission to hopefully keep spreading that message. So. At least three. Yep. At three and a half, I guess. That's right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can um, until, until my time's up. Lacey Cruz, 4th District County Commissioner. Thank you very much. Congratulations on the new job. Thank you. And hope we can talk again soon appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll be back in a moment. At Equity Bank, stories of growing businesses are a favorite of ours, so we created our own little series called Napkin Stories. Visit equitybank.com to see how some great businesses got their start. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 103. Thanks again to Lacey Cruz for the discussion. Check out all our episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter, and thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Have a profitable week.